0: It's April 11th. I'm Brian Dean Wright, former CIA operations officer, and this is The Wright Report. Hey, good day to you, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Wright Report, your daily news podcast. I've got five briefs for you this morning that are shaping America and the world. First, we are going to talk about the U.S. economy. Some important economic data comes out this week. I'll share with you what it is and what to expect. Second, Ford Motor Company recently applied for a patent to remotely control your car. I'll explain how that means that not just Ford, but a hacker or a government might use that technology to control you and your car as well. Third, we switch gears to international news with a first stop this morning in Egypt. The president there apparently wants to give Russia a bunch of rockets for their war in Ukraine. I'll tell you why they want to do that and remind us of why we ought to care about this news. Fourth, we jet off to Mexico where I've got a warning for tourists. The cartels there want to sell you a timeshare, but don't do it fifth we take our biggest trip yet we are going to the moon and that's because the u.s and china are racing to get there first i'll explain later we close out the right report with an email from two listeners in missouri who heard the report yesterday on china being the world's biggest polluter and they wanted to know why people don't talk about that more often when we talk about climate change well i got a couple answers But first, let's get to our top story of the morning. America's economy is back in the news this week. Tomorrow, we learn about the latest inflation numbers, which, as we all know, have been awful lately. Everything, of course, is going up in price. Well, the March inflation numbers are set to be released mid-morning tomorrow, and we will see if those increases are still the norm. Then on Thursday, we get inflation numbers for producers, In other words, what companies are paying to produce all the products and services that we buy. And those costs, of course, eventually get passed down to consumers. Then on Friday, we learn about the nation's retail sales, which is a pretty important indicator for the overall health of the nation's economy. And that overall health, by the way, is looking a little rough. As I shared with you last Friday, we've got an odd mix of good and bad. So to the good, unemployment is low, thank goodness. But to the bad, interest rates are well rising, companies are slowing down on their hiring, and Americans are loading up on debt, around $1 trillion for credit card debt alone. So let's see how the March numbers land over the next few days and how it all feeds into whether the Fed will continue to bump up interest rates. And if so, that has all sorts of impacts on the country. But for folks like you and I, that means higher rates give us a lower ability to finance and manage our debt. And speaking of debt, one of the reasons that a lot of folks have gone into debt recently, at least according to the data, is the cost of buying a car. So here's something you might not know. Before the pandemic, the average new vehicle purchase price was around $38,000. That's according to Kelly Blue Book. But now we've gone from $38,000 to about $49,500. And it's not just new prices of these cars that are going up. It's used cars too. So consider this. Before the pandemic, the average price of a used car was about $20,500. Now, that's a little over $27,000. That was just in a couple years' time. By the way, that $7,000 increase is according to data from AP News. So what's driving these price increases and the debt that people have to take on to finance them? Well, some of it was, well, pandemic weirdness. You know, some supply chain issues, mostly shortages related to computer chips. But it's also automakers who are slowing or stopping the production of cheaper cars. So consider the company Nissan as just one example. According to NPR News, they cut production of one of their cheapest models called the Nissan Versa by 78% over the pandemic. Now, they did the same thing with another affordable model called the Sentra. Meanwhile, as they decreased production of those affordable cars, they increased the production of higher profit cars, in this case, the Ultima and the Pathfinder. Okay, so that is part of the problem, but we can't blame all of our financial woes and the debt on corporations. It is us, too, as consumers. So the data show that when we go to buy cars, we tend to buy more luxury vehicles. And here's the big takeaway. We're buying light pickup trucks more than ever before. In fact, for the first time in U.S. history, there are now more light trucks on the road than sedans. That is according to recent data from the Federal Highway Administration that was published yesterday by the Washington Post. So as sedans are pushed aside for light trucks in the United States, there has been a boom, at least lately, in one type of truck in particular that I think helps explain why we are taking on so much vehicle debt. And that vehicle is an electric pickup truck like the Ford F-150 Lightning. Now, but buying one of those things, I got to tell you, it's not a smart deal if you are looking for a deal. About three weeks ago, Ford Motor Company jacked up the prices for a new Lightning truck to $98,074. That's for the Platinum Edition. The baseline model, a little bit cheaper, run you around fifty-six dollars So all in all, folks, let's see where the economic news takes us this week. But maybe hold off on that car purchase and ease off on that credit card debt. Some pretty... Choppy economic waters ahead. And with all that talk of Ford, it actually takes us to our second brief of the morning. If you miss a car payment, Ford Motor Company is coming up with a new way of getting that check from you. They are going to remotely control your car and turn it off. And to be clear, I mean totally shut it down. No functioning engine, no air conditioning or heater, the doors are locked. In other words, you're going to be calling an Uber or your mama for a ride home. So here is what we know on this development. About three weeks ago, Bloomberg News reported that Ford Motor Company has filed for a very interesting patent. They want to remotely control their vehicles. And by that, I mean, with a push of a button, they will have the ability to prevent your car from working. So in other words, again, no engine, no AC, no heater. And also, they can set off an alarm to relentlessly beep until you make a payment, which will be really nice when you go to church. So here is the best or, uh, shall I say, most frightening part of this patent. If you have one of these self-driving cars, this technology that Ford is trying to patent, it will tell the car to lock you out and drive itself back to the car lot. And that means you stand a pretty good chance of, well, standing on the side of a road while your space car drives off without you. And uh, if you're on a date, by the way, well, I, I hope they understand. Now, for what it's worth, Ford says that it filed the patent for this technology because it wants to have a way to both penalize and incentivize people who miss car payments. Which, as I mentioned last Friday, more people are missing those car payments. In fact, delinquencies are at the highest they have been since the year 2006. So when asked for comment, the spokesman for the Ford Motor Company said, not to worry, because, quote, we have no plan to deploy this, end quote. <laughs> sure. But as Ford and other companies potentially move forward with this remote control technology they're opening themselves and you up to the possibility that others will try to shut down that car too. So let's first just talk about hackers. Two weeks ago, there was a contest to see if hackers could take control of a Tesla. The winner, if they could do it, would get $350,000 and a new Tesla Model 3. And guess what? A hacking team from France took 10 minutes To hack the car. To demonstrate their success, they opened the doors and the trunk while the car was in motion. And by the way, the issue isn't just about Tesla. The car companies Volkswagen, Jeep, Audi, BMW, and at least nine others have been hacked. In competitions by these good guy hackers or the uh, not so good guy hackers in the real world. But there's somebody else that can take control of your car. And to understand who that might be, let's do a thought experiment. So let's imagine the COVID pandemic took place in 20 years time in the future, of course, when this remote control technology is in all new cars. And the government says to you, take the vaccine. And you say, no, thank you. It won't prevent me from getting sick. And I'm not obese, which is the greatest risk of hospitalization, according to data. So no, thank you. My doctor and I believe that the data show that the vaccine isn't appropriate for me. And then the government pushes a button or tells Ford to push the button. And your self-driving car leaves your home. And along with it, your ability to earn a living for yourself and your family. All because you had the audacity to speak truth to power. So there you have it, folks. You ready for this uh, new brave world of ours? A world where the gadgets that we buy from phones to cars aren't necessarily giving us the ability to control our world. Rather, in the wrong hands, they might just be controlling us. With that, let's take our first break of the morning. Now, most of you likely won't hear any ads over the next couple of minutes. We've got another week or two of an ad-free experience. So, Stretch those legs, sip on that cup of coffee or juice, and we will be right back. Welcome back to The Right Report. Let's continue with our news this morning. Switching gears from domestic affairs to events from around the world. First, we stop in the Middle Eastern country of Egypt, where we are learning this morning that the government there secretly agreed to produce 40,000 of a certain type of rocket, a 122 millimeter round, for shipment to the Russians president of egypt a man with the last name of al-sisi ordered the deal to go through but told his people to keep it secret so that quote we avoid problems with the west end quote now we know exactly what al-sisi said because his words were in a highly classified intelligence report that leaked probably by somebody within the u.s pentagon So over the past week, I've briefed you all on how dozens of secret and top-secret documents were leaked back in January on social media platforms. In fact, just yesterday, they were confirmed to be both real and the subject of an investigation by the U.S. Departments of Justice and Defense. By the way, Egypt has denied this rocket deal, but if I can offer you my analysis as a former CIA officer, They're doing it because they are quite close to Russia and rely on them for much of their nation's grain. And historically, Egypt has experienced serious riots when they run short of grain or prices go up too high. So clearly, I think President El-Sisi is eager to avoid that fate and wants to keep the grain flowing. So he's keeping his Russian friends happy. One final thing here, specifically on why you should care about this news U.S. taxpayers are sending about $1.3 billion in foreign aid to Cairo each year. Meanwhile, you're also sending another $113 billion to Ukraine. All right, well, I'll let you decide if that makes sense, or if, broadly speaking, American policymakers are perhaps spending your money unwisely. We now move on from Egypt this morning to the country of Mexico, where we are learning that not only did the cartels profit from things like drugs and human trafficking in that country, but also apparently timeshares. A couple of weeks ago, CNN reported that the Biden administration sanctioned eight Mexican companies who are running timeshare schemes that intelligence showed, well, weren't companies at all. They're actually front companies for the Jalisco cartel. So here's how it worked. Tourists from mostly the United States, and most of whom were elderly, they would travel to Puerto Vallarta or Guadalajara, and they would be approached by representatives of these companies, promising very cheap timeshare opportunities. Well, in some cases, there were no timeshare properties at all. It was just a big scam. In other cases, the cartel companies did have a few properties, but, oh, so sorry they're all booked and we're going to need more money to get you those better properties that we have in mind well through that they managed to get a pretty large number of these elderly tourists to sign up so if you're looking for say one more reason to capture or kill a Mexican cartel member well I think you got one more finally this morning we take our biggest trip yet here on the right report folks we are going to head to the moon this morning and all because of a space race between the United States and China. According to Bloomberg News, NASA has recently solicited proposals from U.S. universities to help that organization learn how to best mine the surface of the moon. The goal is to pull up key minerals from the ground and then figure out how to use those minerals to manufacture building materials of all kinds. So just as an example... Robots might be deployed to scoop up some moon dirt, find the needed minerals, and then feed that into small 3D printing machines. Those machines would in turn create building materials from, say, moon bricks to sealants. And those would eventually be assembled for human habitation pods. Plus, NASA also wants to find a way to extract hydrogen and oxygen from the moon dirt both of which would be critical in making rocket fuel and, of course, air. The astronauts would very much like to breathe. So a lot of stuff here to figure out. And that's, in fact, why NASA has reached out to select universities to help them, well, dig into the challenge. No pun intended. Well, for what it's worth, by the way, NASA also is doing this because the country of China stands a pretty good chance of getting to the moon first and laying claim to the best mining territory. At least that's the fear. So to that end, here is NASA's administrator, Bill Nelson, on that threat. Quote, We have every reason to believe that we have a very aggressive competitor in the Chinese going back to the moon. It's the position of NASA, and I believe the United States government, that we want to be there first. End quote. The Chinese do hope to get to the moon by year, say, 2030. Meanwhile, NASA plans to get there a little bit earlier, by the year 2025, maybe. But the race is on regardless, because both sides are scouting out the exact same spots for landing zones, bases, and mining. And that's especially true at the southern pole of the moon, where most of the moon's vital water ice is believed to be captured. More to come on that one, but uh, overall, I sure hope we get there first. With that, ladies and gentlemen, we conclude this morning's episode of The Right Report. But I've got one more thing before I let you go. So enjoy this next break, which will be ad-free for now. And we will be right back. Welcome back to The Right Report. I've got one more thing before I let you go. I received an email from a couple of listeners named Ben and Elizabeth in St. Louis, Missouri. So they heard the right report yesterday and were pretty surprised to hear me mention something. And that is this fact that I shared. China produces more carbon dioxide each year than all developed countries combined. So to state that a little bit more clearly, China pumps out more carbon dioxide into the atmosphere than the United States, India, European Union, Indonesia, Russia, Brazil, and Japan combined. And as a reminder, that assessment came from an article originally produced by the British Broadcasting Corporation, or BBC, with the underlying research by a U.S.-based company called the Rhodium Group. Regardless, Ben and Elizabeth were pretty shocked to hear that news, and here is what they emailed me. Quote, we like to listen to debates about climate change and global warming, but we have never once heard anything about the magnitude of the Chinese contribution to the issue. Because just simple math, Brian, of what you said, says it doesn't matter if everyone else in the world stops their emissions because if China just keeps doing what they're doing. It makes the rest of us, what we do, moot. So why aren't we talking about that as a country or a world? End quote. Well, Ben and Elizabeth, thank you for writing. And thanks to everybody for your patience with emails. I am way behind on responding, but I am reading everything. Meanwhile, Ben, Elizabeth, yes, you are spot on. You are using logic and facts to drive your thinking about this issue. And bravo to both of you for doing it. Right, That is, I got to tell you what I love about you all. You are just, if I can be honest, you're smarter than the average person that I encounter in the world. And I love that. Okay, so why aren't we talking about the fact that China is the world's greatest polluter by orders of magnitude? And why is China doing it? Let's talk about that last question. Why are they doing it? And I'm going to tell you what I know to be true based on my time as a CIA officer, right? The number one thing that Beijing fears is instability. And if they find a weakness that could affect that stability, they react with ferocious resolve to fix it. And their energy supply gets that exact same treatment. In fact, that is exactly why they're building so many coal plants, You see, energy production from coal is reliable. It's stable. And are they building coal plants? A research firm in Finland came out with a report about a month ago, and they confirmed this jaw-dropping fact. The Chinese build the equivalent of two large coal plants every week, every month, for at least the last year. That is six times as much coal capacity as the rest of the world Combined all in one year. Well, you might not be surprised then to learn that China gets 60% of its electricity from coal. And just to emphasize the point here, that's because it's reliable, unlike solar and wind, which, by the way, they're also building. In fact, a lot of it. But that's not going to replace coal, not anytime soon. It, bottom line, cannot achieve the stability provided by coal that the regime in Beijing demands okay so what does that mean for you especially if you live in a city or a state or a country that is shutting down coal plants or shutting down oil and gas facilities and instead installing things like solar and wind it means that all of your sacrifice giving up that stable coal electricity for the well unstable solar and wind well your sacrifice no matter how well intended or meaning it's for nothing And by the way, that's not my opinion. That's actually according to John Kerry. He, of course, is the Biden administration's special envoy for climate. So here's exactly what he said back in 2021 when he was asked about China's doubling down on coal. Quote, It will actually undo the ability of the rest of the world to achieve climate goals. End quote. So, Yes, Ben, Elizabeth, that should be a part of the conversation that China is pushing on the gas pedal of, say, carbon emissions while the rest of the world is trying to push on the brakes. And all in all, it neutralizes each other's actions. Or if I could use the words of John Kerry, it undoes what we do. But that's not part of the conversation, is it? And that's pretty darn curious. A skeptic might say that perhaps there is something else going on here, another agenda at work, if the simple math just isn't adding up. So I'll save that conversation for another day, but for now, I'll tell you this. There is some evidence that while some people might earnestly be concerned about climate change, others in that movement have a very different goal, and that is destroying capitalism and the West. I'll share those details with you in another Wright report. In the meantime, you all are now empowered with facts. And those facts, with a very handy quote from John Kerry, make it pretty darn clear that this climate change endeavor is, on the facts, a total folly. Because at best, it is going to fail to achieve the climate goal, but at worst, it's going to destroy Western economies while the last man standing will be in Beijing. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we conclude your morning brief. As always, I will see you tomorrow, God willing. Until then, let me leave you with the words that inspire me and this podcast. They're the creed of every good spy and every wise American. They're from the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Good day.